Episode 166 of Gaming in BS coming to you November, Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. Welcome to Gaming in BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic. That was a really shitty intro, but hey, what the hell, right? Yeah, I'm tired. I, I killed something today, and I had to drag it up a hill and down a hill and through a valley. And this is That's long. all you've been talking about is killing something, Brett. Yeah, it's been a long day. It was good, though. I mean, I went specifically out to kill something, and well, I did we- kill something, and it was good. Well, you know, it would have been more exciting if that something could kill you. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't give them. A, I don't give anything that opportunity. <laughs> I think it's uh-huh. unfair okay. fight. I think you should. I think you should give the deer a rifle. I didn't say it was a deer. <gasps> oh. Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was the most dangerous game. Maybe it was. Maybe our- it was Jason Hobbs. Jason Hobbs. <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Straight from Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. That's right. I'm so far away from you guys. Jason Hobbs, Hobbs from the OSR Hobbs and Friends and Friends of the OSR. All of them. <laughs> you butchered that show. <laughs> All the friends are my friends. Even you guys. All the friends are my friends. Yes. We can tell because you keep trying to poach our friends every time there's a post on our on our any of our communities. <laughs> like, oh, you can just come to my community. We're talking about this stuff too. Just let it be known, Tuesday the 21st, 2017 is the day that gaming and BS <laughs> jumped the shark. They got go. famous. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, you are hammered. I am a little tipsy. That's great. Uh, <laughs> get tipsy. All right, so uh, let's dive into this. Yeah. So announcements. Evercon. Evercon. dot org. Um, talked about this pretty much every show, so it's coming. It's uh, January five, six, seven. Get out there. Go to Evercon. dot org. Pre edge is still open. Get some games in there. Get your badge. Love to see some BSers there to uh, hang out with us. I know Alex Cameron will be there. We've got Chris Steele and his lovely bride will be in attendance. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to grab some other folks. So it'll be fun. If Sean drives. Anything anything on your side? Yeah, if Sean drives from Milwaukee, I'll go. Whoa, wait, whoa. I'm not in Milwaukee. I mean Madison. Why am I going to go to Milwaukee meant, and then go to Wausau? I meant Madison. It's the same thing to Illinois. <laughs> Thank God we're doing this via video. Yeah, exactly. So I have to slap the crap out of him. Let it be known he is not in the litter box studio. I don't hear Sean saying, Yeah, that's a good deal. I'll do it. No, he's like back. He's a wussy. You can't even get him to go to your con, Brett. What kind of friends are you guys? Um uh, <laughs> podcast friends. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right, let's do Random Encounter before this devolves even further. Cat's out of the bag. Random Encounter. Jesus Christ. Random Encounter. All right. Who's going to start with Mr. Peter Skeins? You are. All right. Hi, BSers. Just doing a bunch of catch-up on episodes after being away for a while, and I have a couple of comments. Play-by-post. Was pleasantly surprised by this episode as it made jump on the made me jump on the nostalgia train. I too remember all those ads in Dragon Magazine back in the eighties. As Brad keeps moving text around on me, and I'm trying to read this. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit is just not right tonight. All right. I never, continuing on, uh, Peter did not say that last half, it was me. I never took part back then, but during the uh, nascent uh, days of the internet age, I took part in a bunch of play-by-email Star Wars games in the early 90s, as well as two Golden Heroes campaigns by email slash Yahoo groups a little later. Both times they offered a much wider pool of players than my small Canadian hometown could. 
I'm sure that my story is nowhere near unique. And because of that, play by post has probably influenced our hobby a lot more than any of us can guess. I fully support Sean's passing comment a few episodes back. I think, I think the gaming and BS community would greatly benefit from Dear BSers advice column. Maybe something crowdsourced to keep you two relatively sane. That's it for now. Keep up the good work. Peter Skeins rhymes with stains. P.S. Sean, did you ever take part in the Star Wars RPG email list listserv of the early mid 90s? Seems like it would have been up your alley. If so, our past probably crossed back then. I have to admit, uh, and I have to disappoint Peter, that I was not involved with Star Wars listservs back in the mid-90s. Although, if I had probably known about it, I may have wanted to be. I was in the military at that time, in the mid-90s. I was getting out. I got out in 96. And uh, 93 to 95, I was over in Germany and not internet-connected at that point. Uh, and then I don't think I got my first real PC until 95. Anyways, so yeah. Thanks for writing in, Peter. All right, let's see. Yes, VC Young comments back on ep- about episode 165, the most recent one. I'm going to comment here about the subject, but email my full thoughts on Brett's B's game to you guys so as to avoid potential spoilers. Oh, so that means VC's going to send me an email about how bad my Avalon game was at Game Con. Oh, man. That's going to be... Someone needs, someone needs to set me straight. All right. Yeah, Hobbs is in that game, too. So, both barrels. Anyway, um, VC goes on to say, changing something as simple as night and day in a game changes a lot of the dynamics of the game. During the day, our senses allow us to gather better, better information and come to quicker decisions on how to react to the situation. At night, we lose a percentage of that information and therefore can't uh, make as well-informed a decision. A line is a line no matter what time of day it is, and the more more than likely you and your PCs will book it when they see it watching them. At night, though, it could be the wind or a deer, or maybe Hobbs being an asshat in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know he was going to be here. This is great. Well, it's, uh, it's serendipitous. Serendipitous. You just don't know what... Um, you just don't know. So when you realize that it's not Hobbs, but it's Tony the human eating tiger, you avoided your bowels more than you would have if you could have seen him. In Sean Kelly's game, uh, doing gangster business during the day runs the risk of witnesses and witnesses can testify. And that means you've gotten more work to do before you can kick back and not give a cannoli, Sean P. Kelly style. However, gangster business at night, easy peasy in the Rock River with you. Much lower risk of witnesses, but a higher risk of suspicion. And hey, Sean Kelly's pretty suspicious as as it is so what's a little more forget about it point is that changing a little thing like time of day has a big impact on how the game is approached imagine brad how different your iron shoes game would have been if we couldn't smell and we're in the middle of a famine the kitchen scene might have changed your game a bit uh but that's a different subject so good show keep on doing what you do well thanks vc that's good stuff man and i do see your email that did come into us so i will give that a read outside of here so hobbs what do you think if i would have changed if i'd have changed that that game to make it run at night instead of during the day. Do you think that would have been more interesting? I mean, it was pretty interesting anyway. You, um, I think you did set a pretty good scene of a horror type show. You know, uh, that was definitely an aspect of the uh, environment and the aesthetic that was working. It might've been a little different because you wouldn't have necessarily had like the guards being there and like, it wouldn't have been so easy to deal with some of the side stuff that happened. Um, uh, either way though, I mean, what do you feel the most comfortable with? I think will make it great. Okay, cool. (laughs) Sean, back to you, sir. Blake Ryan responds to VC. Part of fear of the dark is we know that 99% of the animal kingdom is way stealthier than we are, and half of it operates better at night than we do. So every night is a highway to the danger zone. Cue Top Gun music. Oh, no. Yeah. Highway to the danger (laughs) zone. Continue. A way to invert the daytime is fine angle is uh, is sun and sun glare and wind. Sun glare off the sea or frozen tundra or rocky desert will reduce the distance you could see. Thus, encounters start much closer. Wind will cover up noises monsters make as they approach to pound your ass and naff your stuff. Good point. Naff your stuff. Naff your stuff, dude. Don't get your stuff naffed. That's just Man. dumb. No. Getting your stuff naffed is not the way to go. Never. 
No. Hey, Hobbs, you ever had your stuff naft? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Uh, no to the <laughs> no to the other part. <laughs> just one just this one time in Vegas. <laughs> wow, we are we're 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 gone there. Okay, so Sky Slayton trying to drag us back to where we ought to be. Posed a question on Google Plus. He said, "Hey, BSers, this coming Monday, I'll be wrapping up the first arc of my first campaign. It'll be a pretty uh, deadly set of encounters." Oh, deadly set of encounters. This is awesome. And I hope to push my players to the edge. My questions for y'all are, how do you prefer to end campaigns? Big boss battle, cliffhanger, etc. What was one of your favorite endings? Sean, a while back, I think we talked about endings, but it's actually been a thing that's been nagging me a bit. I think we might bring it back and hash it out. But off the top, what do you like? Uh, how do you like to wrap up your campaign, Sean? Any, if I was going to say you got to wrap up a campaign, this is the big boss battle saying to you or what? Everybody dies. It's a tragedy. I would have to say uh, death of a player. (laughs) Death of a player? (laughs) Character. Player, character. I I would say Sean's preferred method is just, you know, just casually not showing up anymore. The game just fails. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just one of those, like, it was fun playing with you guys and then just not showing up the next few weeks. Seriously though, do you like do you like do you like boss battles or what, Sean? Come on, you serious? I I like uh, I like cliffhanger. Stop, mm. right? You know, they enter the room, see the big bad, and scene. That's the end of the campaign. Maybe you're crazy. That's what happens when the train pulls into the last stop. It's just it doesn't <laughs> quite get there. You stop before you even get to the, the I look station. At, I look at it this way: I do not win. And the players do not win. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. loses. He actually did that to us in the Star Wars game where we got all, you know, just barely escaping with our lives and everything went completely casters up and then and campaign, which was kind of fun. It was kind of cool. So, Hobbs, when, you, when you're wrapping up a campaign, what do you do? Big fight, little fights, what do you do? I don't know if I've ever wrapped one up, Brett. Seriously, I mean, I'm one of those guys that just kind of fades away maybe. Everyone gets sick of it, and then that's it. If I could choose, I think I would go for uh, some sort of big boss battle and wrap up a lot of the stories. So, Isn't that interesting, though? I think that actually what you said there probably happens more often than not. I mean, if I think back to the different campaigns I've run, at some point somebody raised their hand and says, yeah, you know, I'm kind of bored with this. Can we do something different? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're playing DCC for a couple or, Hey, you tried this other thing or BX is out or, Hey, I'm going to try blades in the dark or whatever. And you do that for a bit. Then yeah, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. All right. I'll have to drag that one back up. I'll add that to the hopper. It seems like you've ended a lot of campaigns recently, Brett. How did you end them? I mean, like what happened to your traveler game? What about your DCC game? What? I mean, okay. So the DCC game is everything. It was the huge boss battle. Cause I thought that was really cool. Um, traveler game, they ended, they started and ended what, um, uh, excuse me, how do I do this? So they started an interstellar war with the, uh, man Kazin, the Kazinti, big nasty cat people. So we started a horrible war with that, got enough information to, um, prove that this one trade federation was actually behind a lot of the horrible atrocities that were happening. And they pretty much, we just wrapped that one up after, uh, after a big battle where they were able to survive and kind of everything <clears throat> split where you've got the um, most of the uh, Federation, whatever on one side, and then the Kazinti on the other with just a constant raging war. And let's see my bad magic game. That one wound up when everybody, they went through beat the bad guy. And then Satan went around and offered everybody something and um, they either accepted or turned them down. That sounds legit. So that's what, that's what I did. Insert Sean? awkward pause here. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's get into me. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go to main topic. Oh my god, main this is the worst show we've ever done. All right, Brett. What are we talking about this week, and why the hell do we have Hobbs here? Well, I figured it's been like 160 some episodes since we've had this a really crappy, nonsensical show. The Really, just kind of like no notes, no concept, <laughs> awkward pauses. Hey, oh, we could get to bring back the old, I mean, I'm talking old school gaming BS magic. We'll pull Hobbs on. 
I'll fuck this shit up bad. Anyway, Hobbs and I are sitting at game hole and um, we're BSing as we are wont to do, waiting for other people to start showing up, hanging out the booth, doing whatever. We started talking about combats and how, you know, having narrative combat, blah, 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 is really cool. And Hobbs said, you know, well, you know, combat as story, that's a huge component of a lot of, of a lot of really decent games or a lot of good stories is having combat help you continue the storyline along. It's not like, Hey, I just went in, killed some goblins, got some treasure, went to the next room, killed some orcs, got some treasure, then some hobgoblins or whatever. Um, but tying that in so that there's reasons and so on. And every fight drives you closer to something else just seemed kind of where we wrapped kind of where we wrapped that up. And then of course people came by and we got distracted talking about other stuff. And I thought, yeah, we should uh, bring Hobbs on the show and just kind of chat through this. So this is Jason's fault. Mostly. <laughs> it always is. What do you think about that, Sean? About it being your fault or combat is story. <laughs> you choose combat is story. Combat. Oh, yeah. oh, I suppose it probably be a good topic to talk about. Not why Hobbs is here. Oh, I hear a cat. It, de- it, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Uh, I would have to say combat is story. Yeah, no, interesting concept. Although I would have to wonder, like, what, how, what, how, what does that mean? What does that mean, combat so, as story? So I know the guys from, um, I think, uh, Randy Farmer and Eli Kurtz on their Jingo Hustle, I think is the name of the show. I keep, I always mispronounce it. Um, the director, Mark, they just did a piece. The, um, um, so I end up kind of, uh, they beat me to the punch on this one. But in a lot of uh, Kung Fu movies and so on, you'll have, or even um, Star Wars, right? So when Vader and Luke Skywalker, spoiler if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, when they're duking it out, it's not just a lightsaber battle for the sake of lightsaber battle, right? Vader's pushing, prying, poking, trying to figure different things out. Then eventually, hey, the big reveal. And then later in um, you know, Return of the Jedi, he's there and then there's a reason for the story. The Emperor there, Palpatine's trying to do a thing. Combat is the vehicle uh, in which the bad guy is trying to get something done. Trying to corrupt and subvert Luke and so on. And and then Vader's there poking and talking about his sister and how, oh, you know, maybe I could get her to do that. And then Luke snaps and everything goes completely bananas and blah, blah, blah. And blue lightning at some point. But um, so when I think of combat as a story, it's more than, it's kind of, you know, when you walk into... The dungeon, even in an OSR style game or any kind of game where you're going into a dungeon and you come upon a tribe of goblins and not just little juicy bags full of hit, full of hit points and experience that, that drip gold. Um, they're there for a reason and they act like it, you know, when they start, when they throw their hands up and say quarter, quarter, we, we yield, we yield, we yield, we'll, we promise we can get you to, you know, the great, you know, whatever the beholder in the center of the dungeon really what there's a beholder here yeah yeah oh yeah we can tell you all about it you know having these things be again more than just little things to wail on is a lot more interesting Hobbs, what do you am i on the track there for what you were thinking as well or am i off no yeah you're definitely uh getting there um in my tradition of playing where you know i don't really write any stories and everything is uh kind of you know just a open sandbox uh, and you run into stuff and a lot of encounters are created through random roles. Uh, it doesn't mean that there isn't something happening. And if all they are is like you say, bags of hit points, it's not going to be any emergent stories, right? So you usually create a reason that whatever is there is there, uh, for a reason. And most of the time people are going to try and kill stuff and take, kill things and take their stuff. So if you can have them, uh, arguing with each other or, uh, like, in in my Kalmata game, which is a huge is my own uh, hex crawl, it's close to West Marches. I wouldn't say it's identical to uh, what they said, but anyway, uh, there's stuff going on, and the only time you're ever going to get that story across is if the uh, NPCs or monsters interact with the players. And if all they're doing is fighting them all the time, they have to talk while they're fighting, right? They have to be yelling stuff, or maybe they're cursing a an unknown god, or maybe they run away very easily, and you can over time figure out why that is. Um, but if they're not parlaying, then that information has to come out uh, at the only time they're interacting with the player characters. So that probably means combat. Um, 
Does that make, that's kind of where I was coming from when I said it for sure. I like that. I like what you're saying there, especially when it comes to players, players on players, or even now we're not, not talking like straight PVP, but when you have, if you're describing the scene, the combat's going and, you know, Sean's character's down and I look at you and go, Hobbs, what do you do? Sean's down. I mean, he's, he just got smacked. What do you do? And you're like, well, um, hang on, I'll finish this guy off and then I'll go help him. Whoa, dude, the fuck, you know, there's story that happens there characters can build on like what the hell is wrong with you i was in dire need and you did nothing for me um you can save somebody you can do um any number of different things even as a player to the other players or have have they watch you and so on i mean that's where from anybody who's an x-men fan you have the uh, fastball special which is when colossus used to pick up wolverine and chuck him into uh into a bunch of robots and just shred the shit out of them um, that was just his thing. That was a combat move that helped to build the uh, the bond between them. So I think that's another type of story. Even if it's just kind of inner party story, that's another way to go about it. Sean, you picking this up or you just staring blankly at us here? <laughs> you can definitely. Well, I'm guessing this is what he always does, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I put up with you, Yahoos. <laughs> uh, no, for sure. I mean, um, like even for in my example, in the games I run, I'm playing BX. So the differences between characters are uh, very few, you know, there's not a lot of uh, uh, granularity between the characters. So a lot of times the people don't even know, the players don't know what their character is going to be like until we start playing. And so when you just, <laughs> when you decide that, uh, like you say, Oh no, I'm going to finish this guy off because otherwise we'll die. If, unless I try to stop you or save you or whatever. And uh, so that makes sense to me, Sean. <laughs> so what we're talking about is dialogue versus in combat. Well, not just dialogue is combat, but when the combat itself. So the bad guys can they can emote in lots of different ways. Um, if your bad guy is screaming bloody murder, he's calling out to, you know, corn or Cain, the god of murder, and he's just doing crazy something or other. Um, wow. These people are insane. That tells me something about their their God, their Lord, whatever whatever they're they're coming from, right? And then if we get into when you defeat a person, even if there's the bad guy says nothing, it's just silent. They don't say a goddamn thing. But at the end of it, they all have you find out that they've all had their tongues cut out, or they all are wearing a medallion, or they're all looking a certain way. Even that, as simple as it is, there's clues and things you can pull together to continue the story. Well, I mean, I've read a lot recently of people talking about what a grind uh, fifth edition is during combat. So this is another way to maybe spice it up. Um, so instead, if people aren't really doing dynamic activities where maybe you're tossing out inspiration or uh, giving advantage or maybe even disadvantage for bad choices, but uh, if the you know the NPCs, the adversaries at least are uh, interacting during the fights. I mean, back in the day when you were watching a swashbuckler movie, you know, and guys were saying stuff as they fought, that was uh, an intrinsic uh, part of that storytelling. And there's no reason that when we're running games, we couldn't include that, right? Princess Bride, right? Yeah. Princess so you're Bride, using Barnetti's defense against me. <laughs> you know, the whole... That whole uh, um, yeah, it shows then that he's well he's well schooled in different types of combat techniques. You know, that's interesting, and that tells a, a some sort of story that can be built on a late later. Even if like a player just makes it up and starts saying he's saying some crap during a game and making oh no, I learned in the school of Sean uh, Piquelli or something like that. You know, and everyone's like, oh, that guy's a terrible fighter. Why would you learn there? And he wins or something. <laughs> then something you know <laughs> comes that's out awesome. of it somehow. Then that's. That's just adding context and uh, other stuff to your game. So. I think sometimes it's even just the as simple as knowing the backstory of the combat. You know, why why are we having this fight? We're having this fight because the goblins live here. We're having the fight because there's bandits in the woods. Why are the bandits here? It was a random encounter. Well, um, for me, anytime I have a random encounter, if I pull it off a chart or if I make it up, there's a reason that they're there. The bandits are starving um they take the money they give it to their mother i don't know you know whatever you make up or they're actually bloodthirsty cultists or however you want to play it um but there's a reason why people are fighting you even if the ogres are fighting to the death the reason they're fighting to the death is because this is their fucking home and you've invaded it right 
wow, these these aliens on this planet sure do like this planet. It's their home planet, asshole. Of course they like this planet. This is why they're fighting you so, so you know, tooth and nail, you know, claw and fang and, you know, whatnot. They don't want to give it up. And understanding that um, having creatures with a reason to fight and uh, then it's just one step towards, well, ask, making that into something that you can then plunk right into your story, you know. If you decide at the time, well, the goblins really don't want to fight to the death. Boy, they're getting their asses handed to them. Wow. Um, I think one of them might might give up. And then someone in the party hops goes, why? Well, why should I let you live? Do you know something? Um, yes. Uh, yes, I do. There's a secret entrance. I can get you through there back to over here or whatever. It's just it's one more way, I think, to uh, move your story along other than just one long protracted battle from dungeon entrance to dungeon finale. Yeah, I was just thinking, I think it would be a cool aspect if you were going to use uh, like some of the dice from uh, FFG Star Wars, even uh, sometimes, you know, an advantage may come up during the combat, but it wouldn't necessarily have to be a uh, combat advantage, it could be a story piece that comes out during, you know, during the blazer fight or whatever. I mean, w- w- could you have you ever done anything like that, Sean? Yeah, there's been uh, foobars that have occurred <laughs> during adventures where they something will happen, their gun will jam or uh, they'll score a critical or they'll hit a crate blocking something. You know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's as much stories as it is objects that get thrown in the way, make things maybe tougher, uh, maybe easier. Maybe it's uh, some koofy triumph that occurs that, um, you know, the whole party yells and screams, yay. And I sit there in disgust as I look upon them, get their way. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I could see happening. Well, especially with the FFG Star Wars mechanics and the die dice. But, you know, we're also having to have to think about, you know, communication. It's if you guys are talking about forwarding a story and having dialogue, you got to have a dialogue with beasties that actually can talk and converse in some way or another right you're not like you're not having an ankeg come up through the freaking ground and you're like whoa isn't that cool i'm gonna ride him hey what's up ankeg (laughs) (laughs) probably not in that situation but the the players could still drive their own stories forward in a fight like that if they have something going on you know like one guy trying to outshine the other or Whatever, you know, oh, if I take this, kill this ankeg, I'm taking his mandibles home. <laughs> Whatever. And they're like, no, I'm taking him to your mom. Right. You know, I don't know. As you would, right? <laughs> it could, <laughs> could, could be all sorts of stuff. You know, the, I think you make a good point, Jason, is that with with the players, too, part of this from a story perspective is sometimes the, oppor- <laughs> excuse me, the opportunity is there in that ankeg battle to, you know, w- when it goes really well, you're playing DCC or a game with critical hit charge, you go, wow, that was freaking amazing. Or, after five attempts of using my blaster in my FFG Star Wars game, it keeps jamming. I'm like, that's fucking it. This blaster's gone. And then Brett, as player, decides that next next space station we go, no matter what it is, I'm getting rid of this blaster. I will never, never buy another one. You know. And then you, just that piece of it, it the uh, the fight becomes something that is a story a story point. Who? So do you Yahoo's? Um... Do you guys allow the characters to meta sometimes during the like the combat? So it's like, okay, whose turn is it? It's mine. I think I'm going to go next. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to. I think I'm going to cast a spell. Okay, well, I'll just wait for you to do that. No. Do you do you guys do that at all? No, there's no uh, there's no holding your action in BX. So if I'm in a no, game, no, that, no, 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 not do not. Don't get confused with the uh, the rules. Like I got to hold my action. I'm talking about the dialogue piece. Oh, okay. Uh, don't I don't I don't take get out my example of holding the action and just say, do you allow people to talk like that during a comedy? Yeah, some I will. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got to have a monologue if you're playing like a supers game or something. People talking takes no time in champions, right? So I'm talking <laughs> missing my point. I'm talking about not in the game. I'm talking about meta game. Hey, what are you going to do when it's your turn? Well, I'm going to go and. Punch him in the face. All right, blah blah blah. Then I I'll plan on doing X and Y. Do you play? Do you yeah, it depends on the depends on the game. I have I have allowed that to happen. Sometimes it just naturally occurs. But 
nine times out of ten, it doesn't really happen because the combat's just happening. People are like, I'm going to do this. Everyone kind of sorts out what's going on. Why? Is that a problem? I would say if if they do, I kind of will. But if it gets to a point where there's analysis paralysis going on, then I'll be like, all right, what are you going to do? Ask that individual. But, I mean, most of the games I run are so deadly that it doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stuck in the immersive level. You know, if you're going to talk like uh, Misdirected Mark does about the layers of gaming, I'm not stuck in that, you know, you can only play your character and you can only speak what your character would say. Uh, most of the time, because I don't think the game was written that way. Uh, it's a social interaction, so I'm going to let the people be social, you know. But if it gets to a point where, I mean, if it goes on for a couple minutes, I'm going to be like, all right, no, Sean, doucher, what are you going to do? I don't care what Brett's doing. What are you going to do? You know, I will call it out like that if it's necessary, but I don't mind that much usually. Well, the, but obviously you do. Well, the reason I bring that up is because it may tie into this dialogue piece that, that like the the lines may blur a little bit that's all i think it absolutely can i think it absolutely can so like in my instance where you know i'm describing a combat or whatever and i look over at at hobbs i'm like dude sean you just saw sean get pasted by that ogre and jay's like sorry i'm busy you're the and sean's like you're the fucking cleric what's wrong with you i can't get there dude there's no way i'm up to my you know ass literally my ass and owl bears right now i don't have time to get to you um that type of thing happens at a table regularly you know where where something's happening and it's tense, it's a big, crazy combat or whatever's going on, and people can, you know, push and pull and try to do that stuff. It's usually, I I think more what you're talking about, Sean, is kind of planning, you know, versus, you know, emerging something that happens in the game. If someone goes, hey, get over here, I got an idea. Okay, great. My character gets over there and Hobbs is like, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to drop you on top of him. What? No, dude, you got plenty of points, push, you know, <laughs> or whatever happens. I mean, the that that type of emergent kind of thing is fun, but I think what you're talking about is more is more meta initiative thing. Just it feels that way. Well, you could you could incorporate it into the game. Totally could. Like I, that's what I'm saying is like so. Right? Hey, hold the door! I'm gonna throw this guy through it or whatever. Right? And you yell it out in the open. Yeah, that's totally cool. Um, something along those lines. Oh, that's right. cool. I thought maybe you were going to say some great setup that you had in 5e or something that you guys all planned out or something like that. I didn't know. Cause that game seems like you could maybe create um, more dynamic between characters during a combat uh, just because of the actions that you would take where obviously it's, uh, it's way more up in the air for like an older school game. But like, do you have an example, Sean, or what? I'd be curious to hear like if you've seen that before or. No, not necessarily. I mean, I think it, there's times where I, I don't think that happens enough. I think the the meta is spoken first. I think it's like, hey, can you? How about your guy open the door, and then I'm gonna go ahead and cast a spell. It's got a five foot push. It'll be able to push him through there and into the pit. Okay, sounds good. That's what I do. Versus, okay, it's actually happening. I need somebody to open the door so I can, you know, push this guy in there or whatever and blah, blah, blah. Or I say it in some goofy language so the bad beastie doesn't understand me or, or understand our tactics and what we're doing. So I think the former former happens more often than the latter. I think that's a preference and a comfort thing. Not everybody is comfortable speaking in character. Oh, for sure. And I think some groups and players aren't quite in. Well, it. then they shouldn't be. they shouldn't be in my goddamn game. They shouldn't be in my game, all right? So let's just... They're not. Nobody nobody likes to play with you, really, so. <laughs> all I hear is these games that Sean talks about, not that he ever actually plays, so I think it's... I don't even think he actually runs games. Me and my friends in Niagara Falls, we play all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. So I think the other... Another, another, another piece of... Uh, Combat story when I when I heard this when Jason brought it up to me I was thinking about it during the show at different points I do recall a lot of the the kung fu um, style movies the old Jackie Chan's and Bruce Lee's and stuff there was the whole premise of going to a master learning I mean Kill Bill and all that stuff there's a reason for the fight that's a huge component for the story itself even Rocky for crying out loud train 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 go to the fight. You know, watch Clubber Lang smack, you know, Mickey upside the head and everything goes to hell on him and so on and so forth. Those fights are huge components 
of the story itself. And then the way the, uh, the way the dialogues again during the fight occur and how people act and so on. Um, it, it does, it, it drives the story, you know, which is, I guess when I hear this, my first thought is, yeah, if you're, if you're having fights that aren't driving any real story, they're just looking at the NPCs or whomever it is that just juicy bags of hit points and something to kick the living shit out of because whatever, then that's just not, I guess that's okay, but generally speaking, that's not for me. I would rather have a reason for the for the combat, even if it's something as simple as, hey, this is a bandit stronghold, and they really would rather not, you know, be murdered because they like being here and, you know, pillaging the countryside. That's their whole premise. I think that's a hell of a lot more interesting than, well, there happens to be bandits here. Let's just go kill bandit nameless number one, two through ten or whatever. I would totally agree. So there. I concur with Brett. Sean. Sean just sitting there pouting. This is ridiculous. No, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't like it? You, you don't like s- it? No, I, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm not being. I'm not being grumpy. You can actually. Not, I mean, see not, it in, because of, oh, not because of the topic. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> My tapping again? Is that what's happening? No. <laughs> oh, all right, good. No, I was going to say that even in like some of the more popular media that people use for their games like lord of the rings that whole story between gimli and legolas was was almost totally taken from during combat so you know when they were counting during pelinor fields battle uh, how many people they defeated or whatever it, it really let you the you know the viewer see what what sort of relationship they had where those helms deep in other parts of the movie no it was helm it started in helms deep and then it moved to the pelinor fields pelinor fields are outside of gondor continued yeah uh, I know where fucking Pelinor Fields are, Brett. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> it still counts as one. I was thinking of the it still counts thing. as one. The mama kill, yeah. So, all right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after that, <laughs> I think oh. so. Do 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 So, Sean, I guess in Hobbs, you play a lot online with tons of different people. When you're, do you run into? the games where story where the combat's just come at. It's just like, I, I, this is going to sound harsher than I mean it to where it's basically just a computer game, right? I mean, if you play world of Warcraft, wherever you go out and, Oh, look, I got a quest. I got to go kill 52. Was it beats? All right. So I'm off to go kill the amazing. Was it's and, and fucking whatever. And you go slaughter 50 of them or whatever. Do you, do you ever end up in games like that? I think there are times that that occurs because I think everything in moderation. I don't think you can uh, tell great stories in every single combat. I think there's some times where a fight is just a fight. Um, But I do believe that a good GM uh, or a GM who is interested in creating uh, interactive stories with people or discovering stories together is going to add that to his game. Uh, Like in Paul Wolf's game, we, I know that he randomly rolled a tribe of uh, humans that we got in a fight with. And so during that fight, you know, he, we kind of learned over time that this was a this was a, a raiding group and they were probably part of a larger group. And it was during the fight that we learned that because they, they fled and we didn't really chase them because it was kind of a standoff. But because we had learned that, that made us, oh, we better track these guys and find out how many people are raiding into this territory, you know, that we live in. So that created a situation. Or like in Eric's game when I'm playing, well, we could just be fighting a bunch of zombies and an acolyte. But uh, by increasing what the acolyte is saying, or if he's calling for reinforcements to someone, it lets us kind of know that, Oh, there's actually a dude in the keep. That's part of this band. You know, you learn a lot of things during those combats and that is, uh, uh, makes it better for sure. I mean, if we're just in another grinded out battle, uh, sometimes that is what it's going to be, but I would say that it enhances the game a lot when you see these aspects happening. Man, I forgot the question. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, to uh, to Sean's credit, when I played in his Star Wars game, every combat we had, there was a story behind it. I mean, there there was. There was, I mean, even when we accidentally picked fights or we would go somewhere, we would do something, everybody, rea- all the NPCs reacted in, you know, not just, well, roll for initiative, you know, and just wail the crap out of each other, shoot, shoot guns at each other and move on. 
there are reasons why they were after us. We were either talking to somebody we were trying to sell sell something, and hey, smugglers, you know, a <laughs> bunch of smugglers get together. Guess what? Somebody gets shot. This is what happened. Just as Greedo. Um, so everything that happened in that game from a combat perspective, even when we got chased through <laughs> through space, there were still problems. And all those problems, all the combats and the real stressful situations we got into, even though we dug our fair share of our own graves on those, it was still all story-based stuff, which I think made not only just because the FFG approach for the from a system perspective, but I think because Sean set it up like that, it became much more entertaining to go through the fights and see what we did. Even when I was sitting on the ship trying to blast people with big ship guns, which drove Sean bananas, but it was still, I thought, made the made all the encounters a lot more fun to be a part of. Uh, all right. Oh, go ahead. For the, for the record, Brett can shoot other people with spaceship guns, but what he can't do and shouldn't be able to do is use it lasers like artillery fire. <laughs> from miles away. It worked. From a ship that is parked on the ground. Yeah, that sounds a little weird. All right, but what I... You had to be there. <laughs> it shouldn't have probably. Uh, I was one of those yes and yes and guys. Did you deflect it off the moon? Or I don't know why. Well, I don't, it was just a, a momentary lapse of reason on my All on right. My so mind. here I got something for you. So we're saying pretty much that we usually try to do this. How If someone doesn't normally do it and if their combats are just combats, how do you think uh, a, a, a nascent GM or you know a beginner, you would advise them – to add that aspect to their game. So from my perspective, I think one of the easiest things to do is as corny as it is, is not every animal and not every creature fights to the death. So in your D and D game, whatever variation on that theme, you fight kobolds at some point, the kobolds either give up, run away and be like, what they, they run, they do stuff. Um, it's just, it's an intro piece, right? Hey, if they're running away, they value something, either just their lives or they're going to report back to somebody that, hey, we just got our collective asses kicked. We should really go get the bugbears to come take care of this. The other component is when if you have, um, like you were talking about zombies and uh, an acolyte or somebody, having that person, you know, even if, if if something as corny as, I shouldn't say corny, but the is as typical as the their dying breath is, you know, Ragnar will get you for this. <clears throat> and he keels over. Who the fuck is Ragnar? What's that about? Um, there, that's that whole combat. You killed him. You just learned a thing through the combat. Hey, all these zombies, you look at them. They're all dressed like sailors. What the hell are they dressed like sailors for? We're in the middle of a freaking desert. Where the hell did sailors come from? That is a piece of story. Adding weird components to how people dress and look. And even I have done this where your typical hobgoblins from first ed and so forth tend to have kind of a, um, almost a samurai type of armor, at least all the ones I tend to see the old school art. It was like a banded armor with the samurai type styling, um, changing the look and feel of a monster. People are like, that's weird. And they come to find out, Oh, these goblins are hobgoblins. They live in a swamp. And, uh, because of that, they dress and act and think differently. That again, adds a little bit of story to the game. That's some of the stuff I've done. Jason, what do you do? What do you think, Sean? No oh, me, I'm first. It's your show, so I'll go. No, that's so, okay. Um, I think uh, that, yeah, those are all great. Uh, the biggest aspect comes down to figuring out what makes this battle mean something, right? Yeah. So as soon as you know, as soon as you know what it means, now you can add aspects to that combat that'll allow that story to get told. Uh, if you don't know what it means, and basically all you are is just, you just wrote some goblins and, or, you know, nine giant rats and 2000 copper pieces, then that's all it's going to be. But if you've actually realized uh, ahead of time or even when you rolled the random encounter or whatever, you're like, oh, these guys are going to, you know, they've actually been driven out by a stronger force of tribe or whatever. Okay, well, that's going to come out in the story then during the combat. But if you have no idea, you're not going to be able to tell that story. So I would say either prep enough or be prepared in a way that you can make your combats have meaning through story. Uh, That would be my advice. Yeah, even if you had a, a list of a list of things that hey, these these are some things that might work, almost your own random chart of reasons why we're in a fight. And um, if you're not willing or not willing, that's hard. <laughs> if you're not, if you don't have your chop, if you don't have the chops, where you're like, look on the fly, I can come up with sixty two reasons why these goblins are fighting you. Not everybody can do that simply out of uh, lack of experience, or you're just some people don't think as quick on their feet as others do. I know I've been caught flat footed sometimes, so 
I go to the well of things I've done in the past that always work for me. So I've got some, I've got some, oh shit, I need something here. Uh, one of these, that ought to work. It always works. You know, you pull that one out, dead babies, whatever. Um, so yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. If, what is, why is this fight here? Are these, are, um, are these aliens here solely to stop us from gaining access to the, to the trading on this, on this planet or is there something about the space station? You know, why are they here and why do they want to fight? That makes sense. Yeah. Like on my random tables, I'll do, uh, I, sometimes I won't just do like a creature. I'll actually do a creature. I have a whole list of, you know, like what the encounter could be with. And then another, t- uh, table that goes along with it. That will be just like, what are these creatures doing? So then it'll come up and say, Noel's raiding. It'll or uh, something slaving or fleeing or, you know, just gathering or whatever. That way I already know what they're there for. And so you can maybe learn that as you go. So that's one of the things I do. Oh, that's cool. Sean P. Kelly. I would, I'm more on the, you guys are more on the, uh, the grander scheme of things. It sounds like, like the combat ties to some event within the, the, the campaign story arc where, you know, I think even just on a micro level, you know, the monologue, the things that are said during the combat, you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna survive the wrath of Monologue. <laughs> Who's Monologue? I thought you were gonna start a song. You're never gonna survive <laughs> unless. <laughs> I thought you were gonna start oh, singing. Little that crazy. Face. Little seal on you, man. <laughs> yeah, jam, jam. Oh. Me and Hobbs and friends is gonna jam. <laughs> so you're saying more micro, not so big. Well, I mean, you can you could do what you're saying is like the combat is specifically tied to a bigger plot point or whatever the case is, where you could still incorporate it in on the on the micro level, where it's like on the single combat, maybe uh, maybe it's a recognition of the uniforms of the the opposing party, and then somebody says something or they they bring up some secret or something's divulged during the combat. So maybe you're playing it out and you're like, okay, everything's going. And then you see somebody come out from the shadows and start talking about something or other, you know, that, like I said, you cannot survive the death grip of Monolug. Oh my God. <laughs> who the hell is Monolug? Now we have to find out who Monolug is. Would you actually name one of your NPCs Monolug? Dude, he's my he's my big ass badass dude. He's gonna put he in my next adventure. He's gonna TPK the entire party. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, I mean that's good. I, I was really saying that they would be events because I don't write any meta plots in my stories. I just take what happens and then create plot out of that um, emergent story. So as the game goes, it, it creates itself. As soon as you add a little bit, then it's gonna just build. Even like we just said, even though it was on a micro level, now you created a. Uh, a bad guy that exists. Who, who was that guy or what's going on? It's the exact same thing. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what we're talking about when we're saying, you know, combat is story, even if you're just making story as you go along. Uh, so it's, that's better than making a big plot up ahead of time. Anyway, that's what I think. Anyway, I like, I think that the, the important thing though, Jason, as you said, is, you know, how do you, if you're trying to do something like this and you're like, well, why? Uh, yeah, totally. I want to do that. Oh boy. This, you know, these fights have been kind of just juicy bags of hit points, spill coins. Um, how, how can we change that? Simple thing. A little bit of monologue. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say as a player, you could, you know, we, my buddy, Jimmy's playing a barbarian. Of course, he's always got to like, or somebody in my group, Play some hack and slash, I don't know, fighter, Jimmy or Brian, where they take the ears off their enemy. But they could easily turn that into sitting around the campfire and talking about like, oh, I remember this one. I got this one at the Battle of the uh, Broken Hill. And then I got this one over by uh, yeah. the Red River. That motherfucker, some bitch, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> and Sean, that's actually a really good point, too. I mean, apart from the, the Game Master stuff that the three of us have thrown out from a player's perspective, you can help the game master find the story in the fight, right? Boy, they all look the same. Wow, really? Bunch of goblins with longsword. That seems strange. Wonder where they got those. <clears throat> the game master will look at you like you've got, you know, the third head. Go, what the fuck? What do you mean? Why, why, why is that a big deal? Oh, you know, goblins normally just have crude hand weapons. It's kind of strange to have that. Or, wow, these guys are from SETI Alpha 5. It's strange they don't have weird bugs in their heads. Uh, or whatever the case is, you know. I find out, I, I find in examples like that, Brett, you got to, like, you gotta, you gotta tell them. Oh, to, otherwise they won't catch it. 
They won't catch you it otherwise. Tell them that. You gotta. You gotta tell them. They won't know it. Like they all have long starts. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I grab one. All right. Like there's no relevancy to it if you don't tell them. Like, duh. This is odd. They all have long swords. Goblins don't carry long swords. Oh, I see. Well, this is why I'm. This is why I'm saying is that players should or could step up and grab onto that stuff and help make story out of the out of combat themselves. Yeah, he's talking about sourcing the table and allowing them to do that. Yeah. If the GM didn't even think about, it, oh no, yeah, they got long swords. Oh wait, then and a player comes out of it, then you just go, yeah, that is weird. You know, after it round monoluge. Yeah, after round ten of us beating the shit out of these kobolds, and I look over at Hobbs and go, fuck, these kobolds haven't broken yet. What the hell is their morale, man? Damn, even that <laughs> that meta of a thing is something where Hobbs would go, shit, I haven't rolled morale. Or no, um, there's a reason why they fight to the death because Monologue won't let them retreat because they have a fate worse than death. You know, I mean, that's those are things that even in a meta type of way, you can ask the question of the game master. Um, there's no reason not to do that. Again, as you said, Jason's kind of source the table for it. Players can step right up. Yeah, and then just go with them, right? That's what the GM should do. If they want to, unless you're Sean, then you just say, no, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's stupid. You're stupid for thinking about it. Where's your dog? I'm going to kick your dog. All goblins have long swords. I'm a little more subtle than that, <laughs> but uh, I don't think I would call a player stupid. Maybe a little ignorant or naive, but... <laughs> naive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, like we wrapped this up, have we killed this horse? Oh, what a, what a cute... <laughs> What a cute little what a cute little idea you had there, player. That's so sweet. Maybe when you grow up, you could be a game master. All right. Let's Die go. roll, motor scooters. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you. Brett and I are sitting out this one. Listeners, man. I mean, these guys came in heavy here. We've got Chris Shorb. He educated us on uh, polyhedron names. An article by George Hart. Little link in the old show note there about different uh, prefixes, suffixes for different types of polyhedrons, which is always cool if you're a gamer. As well, Rocha pointed out a blog entry by Jonathan Hicks on tips on, on describing combat in an RPG. So, right to the point, of course, some uh, little bits and pieces you can use to help add some story to your fighting. Sean, you going to read the other ones? Uh, yeah, Tom Bagwell lets us know that the 1980 RPG Dark Conspiracy is coming back in 2018. Holy crap. Did you play Dark Conspiracy, did ever, Brett? Did you ever play that? You did? No, I'm asking you if you ever did. I remember seeing I the not. cover had Larry Elmore art. I remember that. And I knew some people who told me, oh, this is a great game. But that's as far as it ever went. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hobbs, you ever play that? No, I do remember seeing the book, but man, I don't know anything about it. I think I have to put that on my tour, though. I mean, what would you call Dark Conspiracy? What kind of game was it? Do you know? I got to imagine it's some type of espionage. Urban type of... You don't think no, it's like yeah. Dark vampires Conspiracy or something? Like, yeah, I think there were vampires, ghouls, nasty things like that. I'll have to look, we'll have to look it up. We'll have click to click on the, on the damn link is what we'll have to do. Son of a biscuits. Next. Shit. Peter Skeynes provides some creative inspiration about the ancient Roman cult that continues to vex scholars. Is this is this the uh, Mithras cult? Got to be the Mithras cult. Ah, look at that—the old Mithras cult. Yes, yes. So you know something about this, Brett? What's that? The uh, Mithras cult. I learned. I ended up, believe it or not, Mithras was uh, had a role in the vampire uh, Dark Ages stuff, and um, it's been one of those weird culty things that pops up periodically. Uh, people, uh, pagans, thinking, "Oh, I know what the Mithras cult was about. It was all about this and whatnot." So it's kind of, kind of a funky little deal. Neat. I'll have to read up on that. What's that last one up there, Hobbs? All right, I got one. I have to uh, give some props to my boy Edwin Nagy. Is it Nagy or Nagy, Brett? Do you get it? I always get confused. Say Edwin. It's Nagy. It's Edwin it isn't I though. I, it is Edwin. Anyway, he uh, he ran his twenty four hour uh, extra life game yesterday, and. Uh, I talked about it on my podcast and I get an opportunity here because <laughs> you guys asked me on to see how awesome he is. But anyhow, I got the link there to the actual NEG team, uh, which Edwin runs and they, they uh, made more than $2,000 yesterday on their uh, 24 hour game for the children hospitals. So 
that was pretty darn awesome. 7,000 for the year for my team with Edwin. So that's pretty exciting. You can check it out uh, at that link. So that's awesome. Edwin's an awesome dude. That is, that is cool. So check it out, people. Yeah, way to go, Edwin and team there. And thanks for everybody that's supplied a link or two to let us know, to pass it along to the rest of the crowd. Much appreciated. Uh, I want to put this out there again. We I mentioned it on, I don't know if it was the last episode, but definitely the one prior to that, uh, Lawful Good Gaming. We want to see if there's a story out there. I think I have one to follow up. Uh, but if there's somebody doing good work that involves gaming, whether it's uh, what, however they're using it to better society, I guess, for lack of better words, we want to know about it. I want to interview them briefly. Um, feel free to pass along our contact info or get us their contact info and I'll reach out to them and set up a time, explain to us what kind of the deal is and then put that into the show uh, coming up. So it's if there's somebody doing good work through gaming, could be tabletop, could be RPGs, um, we're not fussy. Uh, we want to know about it, so let us know if you know somebody or if you're doing it, right? James from uh, Glowburn, he does his lawful good. James Walls? That's right. Isn't it called Lawful Good something? Isn't that the name of there? They do a lot of uh, donations. Well, maybe I might have to change. I might have to change the name of the segment. I think it is something like that. No, but they don't do it on their show. That, that's just his own gaming group that they uh, get money for different charities and stuff. So you should uh, talk to Forrest and get a hold of James because he does some. He does some good stuff. That's cool shit. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. But I will follow up with James. I'm friends with him on Facebook and I've met him and he's a good guy. So I will double check. But if it is the same name, I definitely don't want to <laughs> get the two confused. Uh, well, it's not uh, on their show. So, well, still, it's a, a thing he's doing. Is that All the right, same man. thing? It's not no. the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. See, that's my point. Right? <laughs> I'm going to start a, a new podcast called Random Encounter. You are so soon. <laughs> so going to kick your ass. Uh, do it. Right. Hit let's what? What? Abe? Let's do. Let's do skill check. Hobbs, Hobbs, right. you ready for skill check? Maybe I should get another glass of water. I don't know. No, I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So, as you may know, this is kind of a lightning round uh, that we have guests partake in. So, I guess you are a guest <laughs> officially. So, ready, Hobbs? Did you I'm study? ready. All right. I uh, GM or play, GM or player, GM. All right, screen or no screen? Uh, no screen. Modules or original content? Original content. Do I get to talk about why I answered the questions the way sure, I did? Sure, sure, no? absolutely, man. Yeah, go uh, ahead, man. I've, I mean, I started playing a long time ago, like in the late seventies, and uh, I think for the first few years I was a player. But ever since then, I've pretty much always been. Uh, GM for my face-to-face groups and, you know, equally GM online. So uh, as far as screens go on my online game, I actually have a screen up most of the time. And I found when I was trying to run the game, I would put it up, but then I always just take it down because I want to be able to see everyone. I stand most of the time. Brett actually had a picture of me doing a Captain Morgan <laughs> at Gaming and BS because I'm just standing up there with my foot up on my chair, you know, talking to everybody. Uh, and lastly, I love running. There's a very good published adventures out there. And I love reading them and I, uh, I'm always excited about them, but I always feel that, uh, I just don't have the vested interest in them as a GM, uh, that I do my own stuff. I don't know why I just don't have the ability maybe to read it and take it in and then play it however I want using that information. Uh, I find myself just doing what it says instead. And, uh, I just feel like it comes off flat. So I really prefer my own, my own made up stuff better because of that. I had the same, I have the same problem, dude. Yeah, I've totally seen it. I didn't realize it. Why? I'm like, man, all my DCC games suck. It's because I wasn't creating my own stuff. I was always just using stuff that they had, you know, and then when it's happening, I'm like, oh, I really don't care what happens. Ha ha. Keep doing what you do. And I'm like, well, maybe that's why this feels so goddamn boring then because <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> maybe if I cared, then it would be more fun, you know, but that, uh, so that's why I would say that. That was awesome. I liked the lightning round. I'm going to have to have. We're not done yet, goof. Yeah. Just... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Balanced encounter or screw balance? Uh, screw balance. Boom. X all the way, bud. Favorite RPG? 
Adventure Conqueror King system. I'm still going to say that even though I haven't played it in quite a few years. I just really like the idea of the economy uh, having such an important aspect of the game throughout as opposed to something that was tacked on back in the day. So the RPG you're playing in the next week or month? Guaranteed I'm playing BX because Eric is supposed to run the big end finale of Keep on the Borderlands that we've been playing for four years, I think on and off. Whoa. Is that the Hoff? Yeah. It was a drop in drop out game that, I mean, Edwin's played in that. Uh, I mean, almost anyone who's anyone has played in it. So you guys know where you guys rank. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's always been an open game. So anyone who wanted to come could come, but a few of us have uh, stuck with it. It used to just be a holiday game. So my cat finally uh, came back and made his debut on your show. Now she's been on a few shows. Cleo. So good job, Cleo. That's lovely. Sorry. Got some more. No, that's uh that's it. No. Oh, so those uh, are great. Vess, thank you for uh, taking part in skill check. What, what is going on with Hobbs now? There's talk of, uh, of uh, another show. What, 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 what's that all about Hobbs? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, Jose is starting up his supposedly his own podcast network. He's just got like, oh, I already got a website. I'm learning everything. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'm like, well, we could do Hex Talk. And he's like, yep, that's what we should do. Uh, I'm going to keep on doing Hobbs and Friends of the OSR with uh, the misdirected Mark. Um, but uh, Hex Talk is going to be its own show uh, on its own network, apparently. A network of one. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, uh, we've been talking a lot, I think. Uh, People really seem to enjoy the dynamic of, of that group for some reason, you know, uh, Hobbs and friends will probably die because the only reason it's been around is because once in a while X talk was on. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So where can, uh, where can, uh, everybody find you? Jason Hobbs, Hobbs. Uh, uh, I'd say I'm on Google plus the most Jason Hobbs, or I can be on the Twitters at Hobbs indeed. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jason Hobbs. Uh, I've got pages all over the place for uh, Hobbs and friends of the OSR. Uh, OSR and Hobbs on Twitter and Hobbs and friends of the OSR on Google Plus. Or Hobbs and friends at misdirectedmark.com if you want to email me. Top that. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for being here, man. Oh, no, it was great. I appreciate it. I feel like I strong-armed you into it somehow. I was surprised. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Sean and I had nothing else to talk about. Like, fuck, let's just get Hobbs on here. I need, I need some kind of a dancing dog. Come on, bring out the Hobbs. Make it work. <laughs> we got to try and get some new listeners up in this place. No. I mean, 166 and you guys are out already, Brad? I don't know. That doesn't no, bode well for gaming no, and BS. So. No, we're still here. We're still good. We're still good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, what are we talking? Speaking of next uh, episode, what are we talking about next uh, week, uh, Brett? Talking about families, man. Player characters and their families it was one of the uh, one of the things that came up from my gaming group. Um, <laughs> they asked me, "Does anybody else is everybody else terrified of having families in your games, Brett, or is it just us?" So I thought, "Hey, let's talk about that." So that'll be fun. Might have to reference Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, it's got some things of character backgrounds that actually you can roll on a random table to see if you have parents or not. Oh, neat. I haven't read that it yet. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, here, let me take a second to thank you guys. I, I really do appreciate it. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I used to listen to this podcast and think I could do better, and that's why I started my own or anything. Uh, but uh... <laughs> It's okay. If you, if you think that's the case, no, that's cool. No, it isn't. Uh, you know, Sean, I went straight to you to ask you everything. So even though I had Chris, a, an old veteran in podcasting, I still wanted to ask you a bunch of questions. And you continually help me out and make uh, my show better for sure. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to uh, Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, go over and check up Hobbs and, and his friends of the OSR. Uh, what kind of things do you cover on that show, Hobbs? Uh, normally, I'm doing an interview. Sometimes it's someone who is uh, that you might know of. Most likely it's not. It's just somebody I know that games. And we pretty much talk about what we're playing and uh, how it relates to the OSR. Like a lot of times we'll get a – we don't get – dive deep or anything like that, but we will include um, mechanics and why we use the mechanics we do. And you'll hear some house rules for some old school games like BX and uh, Menser's Beck Me or whatever, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I think mostly it's, it's a kind of a talk show like this show is a lot of 
bullshitting going on for sure. But uh, people seem to like it. And I, people always, I always ask people why they like it because <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea why anyone listens, but apparently they awesome. do. So <laughs> why the hell would somebody like that show? <laughs> you listen every week or every I do. other week. I, I do listen to it. Of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I have some good guests. I mean, Jose and Eric are awesome. So uh, that Hex Talk will be good too, because those guys are hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm a little funny, but I mean, they're really funny. So. <laughs> well, well, excellent. This has been another episode of Gaming NBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. Night, everybody. So this, oh, thanks, Hobbs. <laughs> So this episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice, Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Antti, Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Pladian, Remy Bilodeau, Jason, Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pierre Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Tom McGowan, Roger Brassett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Vroilich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, Witt Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff, Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Evan Harrison Cass, Ray Otis, Mark, CMG Clover, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John, Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark, Richmond, Thomas, Hook, Jonathan, Towelby, and Blake, Ryan. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to GamingMBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patron friends. Thank you, listeners.